Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning into I Work For Him Radio today. Whether you're listening live right here on radio in Tampa Bay or online at iTunes, letstalkfaith.com, iHeartRadio, maybe Red Nation Rising, however you're hearing our show today, just know that I prayed before the show that something that we say on the air today will cause you to dig deeper into your faith and cause you to dig deeper and to connect them what you learned yesterday with what you're doing today. You know, so often we are so judgmental about certain professions, you know, like used car salespeople or, or maybe an insurance guy or, or, or maybe, I don't know, the tax assessor's office. But categorically, we as a country, as a culture, categorically <laughs> ridicule lawyers. We just do. It's just something we do. So here's a question I want to ask today. Can a lawyer live out his or her faith? in their workplace. Is there such a thing as a Christian attorney? A place that is riddled, the the attorney profession, a place that is riddled with corruption and bias. That's what we're all told. Well, I think today you're going to get that answer once and for all. Today we have Abigail Johnston joining us on the air. She's a principal of the Johnston Law Firm, and she's involved in the Executive Women of Influence in Orlando. Abigail Johnston, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Love to be here. Well, I hope you feel the same way when we get to the end of the show. Hopefully it's not too hard. You know, there are so many jokes out there about, you know, there's three, you know, three guys went to the, uh, the, the, the gates and one was an attorney, one was a priest and one was, you know, they always have the jokes about a lawyer. And, and, oh, yes. And, I think I've probably heard all of them. <laughs> I, and I'm sure you have. And there's that one about, you know, uh, somebody's going to sue, uh, somebody from heaven's going to sue uh, somebody in hell and, and Satan goes, really? Who are you going to get to represent you? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it's not true, and I know we've had an a, amazing conversation, so I'm really looking forward to our time today. But let me just ask you this question, Abigail. As you look at 2017, how would you like the Lord to move in your life this year? I think the primary thing that I am uh, looking to the Lord to help me this year, and this is actually my word of the year that uh, we at Arite pick each year, uh, my word this year is present. And um, I'm really looking to grow in being present, whether that um, has to do with in my work, uh, with my clients, with my staff, um, with my family as well. And, and that's really what I'm, I'm looking to uh, work on. I read a great devotional called Present over perfect, which I would recommend to any mom who is looking to uh, balance all of the things that we need to do in a given day. 
So if, you know, your kids are pretty little, right? They are almost four and almost two. I was going to say two and four is what I had remembered in my head. I didn't know if it was right or not. That's what scares me you when are I don't right. remember. Okay, so when you think about present, is it because the Lord's saying, Abigail, I need you to work on being more present, or is it working on recognizing that the Lord is present next to you? Which part of present are you talking about? Oh, those are both great examples, um, but I think the, the primary one is uh, coming home at the end of the day and putting away my smartphone, putting away the worries and the um, stresses of the day, putting aside my clients um, and really focusing more on my kids at home, but also during the day really being able to focus and be present with each person that I'm working with. So, hey, Abigail, I'm excited to have you because, listen, I love interviewing ladies. I have a lot of ladies in our listening audience, and I love interviewing a woman who's from, you're from a pretty difficult profession. I mean, it's, it's, nobody likes attorneys except for when they need one. And I feel bad about that. Uh, But, but, and you're not in an easy, you know, um, practice within the law because you're in family law and family law gets messy. But before we talk about, let's talk about how you grew up. You grew up the daughter of a pastor. So how'd you end up, how'd you end up being an attorney? (laughs) I get that question quite a bit, actually. Um, I had originally thought I would be a physical therapist like my mom. Lots of girls follow in their mom's footsteps. But uh, I realized that God was calling me into doing something very different when I discovered after doing some volunteer work that uh, having to interact physically with people was not something I was as comfortable with. And uh, went to a career resource center, took one of those personality tests, and a lawyer was at the top of the list, um, which honestly didn't surprise anybody, um, including my dad. Uh, so, <laughs> I bet it didn't. Um, Wait a minute. Now, why? Why didn't well, it surprise your dad? So my dad tells this story about how there was a bowl on top of a doily when I was maybe two or three, and I was told not to touch the bowl. And my dad turned around, and when he turned back around, he discovered that I had put my hand under the doily to grasp the bowl. Clearly, I was not touching the actual bowl. That type of nuance or that type of... uh, uh, ingenuity, perhaps is a good word, um, was present from an early age. And uh, my dad tells lots of those stories in uh, what he teaches, and which is a whole other thing, being a pastor's kid. So anyway, um, I was led very much uh, to Regent University, which is affiliated with Pat Robertson and the Christian Broadcasting Network. And I got an amazing grounding in my profession, as well as being a Christian in the marketplace from all of the amazing people there at Regent. Well, now that's a really good plug. You know, we, you should help us get Regent University as a, a big supporter of I Work For Him because I have heard that story time and – that's right. That was my plug back to you uh, because I have heard that time and time again between Liberty University and Regent University, they are really graduating students that are ready to face the world in whatever their profession with a solid understanding of connecting their faith and their work. So you brought up Regent University. What was it specifically that they taught you that helped you understand that your didn't matter what your workplace, no matter your workplace, that it was your mission field. I think the thing that struck me the most about being in school there was that um, Christianity, God, spiritual things, however you want to label it, was woven into every single thing that we did. The whole uh, first month of my contracts class was 
how the Ten Commandments is can be interpreted as a contract. And, you know, we got into all of the, the legal principles, which is obviously very important because, you know, that was my profession, but they began with, how does God look at this? They began with, we had devotions every day in class. In fact, our classes are or were 15 minutes longer than every other class in every other law school because we had a 15-minute devotion at the beginning of every class. And so they taught me from the very beginning, whatever principle we were talking about, that God's law was the most important, and it infused everything that we did. And so I've taken that into my practice, and that's where I start. I don't start with man's law. I don't start with all of the things that I have to do from a process perspective or administrative perspective every day I begin with. How does God look at this? Now, I love that perspective, but you grew up a PK. So how, at what point in your life did you say, okay, I understand I'm a PK, but at what point in time in your life did you say, I want that Jesus that my dad talks about in the pulpit, I want that Jesus to be my Lord? Because it doesn't, it comes a lot harder to PKs than it does to kids that aren't PKs. It can, because there's no clear delineation before and after. God is always a part of the conversation and part of how you grow up. And so I agree that sometimes it's harder for us to to make that decision. And my parents were very good about leaving it up to us. I never felt like there was pressure or that there was this sense of them pushing us. But we had devotions every night. And during those devotions, I made my decision. What a great example of of being led to the Lord by your folks and seeing that solid example and having them endorse your choice of a career as an attorney. So (laughs) let's, let's talk about the kind of law that you practice. What do you do? I practice family law, uh, which really encompasses a wide variety of things. I think the thing that people mostly think about when they think of family law attorneys is you think of divorces. Um, But we also do adoptions, which is kind of at the other end of the spectrum, creating families, um, unfortunately legally taking apart families. Those are part of what we do all day long. Uh, We work with families who are, the parents are maybe not married, but they have a child together. Uh, We work with grandparents who are trying to take care of a, a grandchild. I also work with children who are in foster care in a variety of um, capacities uh, as their guardian ad litem, sometimes as their attorney. Uh, We work with people who need to take care of a special needs child uh, to get a guardianship over them. So lots of different uh, roles that we can help with when it comes to legal issues that families face. I don't even know how you keep track of all that. You labeled that off. You you listed that off so very, very well, but it's I mean, family law. Well, everybody listening knows. Listen, there's nothing more complicated than family, and there's no nothing more complicated than family conflict. And when it starts with, I mean, really, when you, when you look at it, I mean, even adoptions True. aren't conflict-free because not everybody in the family understands what adoption's all about. I mean, a lot of people don't have True. that biblical perspective of adoption. So what's your favorite? Well, maybe you don't want to say that on the air. Oh, okay, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> so what's your, what's your favorite kind of law? Honestly, my favorite is when I get to work with kids, whether I'm representing them directly or I am helping uh, my uh, clients figure out a way to make sure that children are safe and happy and healthy. I'm the oldest of six, and so um, working with families and helping families figure out how best to move forward, that, that's what warms my heart at the end of the day. No, conflict is not always easy to deal with, but 
coming into a family conflict from an objective perspective, I'm able to guide and counsel my clients in a different way than they might expect. Um, I'm also a certified family law mediator. Um, I'm also a qualified parenting coordinator. Um, All different hats that I wear in coaching and helping families figure out a way through conflict. You are in the middle of a profession that helps you see really some of the darkest places in our world. Um, yeah. How do you how do you deal with that? Like like you said, your your word for the year is present. When you get home, you really want to work on being present with your kids and with your husband, and, and put everything put law aside. Yet you see such you can see such ugliness. You know what do you do to set it aside as you walk through that door at home? I've gotten better over the years at compartmentalizing and trying to uh, keep people or their issues in a, a specific box, so to speak. Um, sometimes I actually visualize an actual box like it's my file and I'm putting that situation in that particular file. It, it gets to me, though, especially working with as many kids as I work with. It can really get in and affect me emotionally. But uh, really, I begin the day with prayer and I end the day with prayer. And that's really the my go to and my solution for everything. Do you ever have somebody ask you a question or tell you about a situation and you're in the middle of an interview with somebody and you just say, hang on a second, and you just stop and pray right there? I don't typically say that um, in disrupting the conversation. There's usually a uh, separate conversation going on in the back of my mind. Uh, Me and God have a lot of those conversations all day long. I I would imagine. And that's really what I was (laughs) thinking is like, okay, what do you do? Because sometimes you can ask questions. You're like, woo, I wasn't really prepared to hear that one this morning. Kind of early. I haven't even had my coffee yet. All right. So, (laughs) so talk about the the way you you allow your faith or the way your faith impacts the way you run your practice and and again we're talking with Abigail Johnston and her practice is johnstonlawpa.com i want to make sure people have that in case they're in orlando or can, can you practice law anywhere in florida i can and florida's a big state do you want to practice down in the keys and up in the panhandle <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of work down in Miami because my parents live down there, um, I've, but I stay in the Central Florida area mostly. There should be plenty of work there, I would imagine. Oh, Johnst- yes. <laughs> Johnstonlawpa.com. Okay, so going back to the question, how, how do you intentionally let your faith impact the way you run your law, your family law practice? So first of all, I am very open about the fact that I'm a Christian, and that's how um, that, that's who people get when they walk through the door. I mean, I, we list things on our website. We talk about things very overtly. A, a lot of my clients come from pastors. Uh, they come from uh, Christian therapists. And so most of my clients, uh, the vast majority of my clients, walk through the door wanting someone who is coming from that perspective. Um, and... You know, I I cannot think of a case where spiritual things did not come up in some context. Uh, You know, when we're talking about kids and where they are going to be living, coming, you know, where they go to church is typically a a good segue. Um, And I have figured out those ways of making sure that I'm being very transparent with my clients about my perspective. Most of my clients come into my office wanting to pray with me before a hearing, wanting to have that input and wanting to talk about spiritual things, or I find a way to bring it up. I mean, have you ever said, well, if somebody shares something with you and, and you're like, you are feeling led to drop on your knees, but you're like, I'm not going to drop my knees. But you ever say, Hey, can we just pause for a minute? Can we just pray about that? Cause that, that's something that needs to be prayed about. Have you ever stopped a conversation and said, Hey, we just need to pray. Absolutely. 
happens very regularly. I had the opportunity to do that with a couple of people in, in your world before a hearing one time. And, and I said, hey, can we before we go in there, can I just pray with you? And they're like, absolutely. I mean, these are people at a high <laughs> level. And, and they're like, nobody's ever, ever asked us to pray with them before. Oh, I'm wow. Like, we miss so many opportunities. These are people that get beat up all day long, too. It, it was I was just being called in as a witness on something. And I was like, I felt bad for these people. I'm like, let me just pray with you. And they looked at me and they were so grateful because people, when you get to see people, well, you get to, you are seeing people at, at a time in their life where there's a lot of mental, emotional struggle. Yes, absolutely. How often There's you... a saying that uh, criminal attorneys see bad people on their best behavior and divorce attorneys see good people on their worst day. I typically am working with families when they are in the middle of the worst crisis and the worst conflict they will ever encounter uh, again. And I find that people's hearts are really soft uh, when mm. they are going through something that's significant. And when people's hearts are soft, they seem to be open just the love of Christ, for sure. I mean, they're open to the whole idea about God when their hearts are broken and they're at the end of their rope. Absolutely, yeah. Mm, wow. Okay, so these clients that you represent, just let's mention them again because I want to ask you some questions. So the kinds of people that walk through your door are whom? Uh, they're people you see off the streets, right? They're parents, they're grandparents. They are people from all walks of life. I represent men, I represent women. You know, it's anybody who has a family crisis that involves the legal system. uh, That's typically somebody that I can help. So these people are walking through and often you're getting referrals. You said you're getting referrals a lot from a lot of pastors. You're getting referrals from a lot of, (laughs) a lot of places. People know your faith that's going to be there. When they walk through the door, do you ever tell people, mm, I'm not your best fit? There's really a better attorney for, for you than me? Absolutely. Absolutely. That part of having my own practice means that I can represent the people who I enjoy working with. And a very good example of somebody who I have turned away, obviously I can't use names or anything like that, but people who walk through the door and want a divorce for no good reason. They've just decided, I don't like the way that person looks anymore. They've not gone to, say, marriage counseling. They've not worked on the relationship in some way. Those are people that I will often send away to work on those things before they would come back to me. Um, Another example would be people who want to, they're, they're coming to me to hurt somebody. They want to hurt their soon-to-be former spouse. They want to hurt their child in some way, right? Legally, obviously, if they're trying to physically hurt somebody, I have to send them somewhere completely different. But if if they're walking through my door saying, I want to harm this other person through the legal process, that is not somebody that I want to work with. Well, and that's fantastic because that's choosing the clients that you represent. But what about those clients that come in and say, hey, I need you to do this. And you're like, that's not my cup of tea. I'm not qualified to do that. Here's somebody that's better qualified to do that. Do you, do you get to do that ah, opportunity as well? Absolutely. I've got a great network of attorneys that, that I work with who might help somebody, say, with a car accident or someone who might need a will or somebody who has a criminal issue for one reason or another for their child or their relative or something like that. I, I've got a great support network of other uh, Christian attorneys who I can send people to that I know they will t- be taken well care of when they go to those other offices. You know, let, let's just take a step, a step back for a minute. And I'm so glad to hear you got a great network because that's really what I love. I love an attorney that I can start with that I know if they can't do it, 
They've got somewhere else to, they've got other places, tried and true professionals that can take care of my referral. Because a lot of times I get referrals and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where to sure. go. But that, that's really good. So the, the question then goes back to your personal life because you're an attorney and all the attorneys I know work long, hard hours. They've got difficult jobs. There's, there's months where they don't get paid by people because they're, you know, the, the receivables are up and down. I mean, it's your own practice and it's just like any other business, but it's difficult. How you've been married to Elliot for how many years now? We got married in 2008. So we are coming up on nine years. Okay. So how do you make sure that Elliot remains a priority in your life under God, but above your kids each and every day? I wish I could say that I have that completely figured out, um, but I don't, and I am very blessed in that I have a husband who uh, knows how to speak truth and accountability into my life when I get off course, because I do get off course, as we all do. And um, I think that the greatest challenge to our marriage has actually been having children, as I am sure many other couples can report, that it's so easy to take your focus off your spouse. But um, one of the things that we do um, as, as much as we possibly can is set aside alone time for us. We have a regular date night. We try to get away for weekends consistently. Having that time to reconnect is really important. All right, today we're talking with Abigail Johnston. She's an attorney. Don't hold that against her. She's got a law firm. If you ever need a lawyer with what she does, Johnston with a T, JohnstonLawPA.com. Abigail, there's a bunch of people signing on right now that are just getting off work. And as we reintroduce the conversation today, as a Christ-following attorney, what is your specialty? My specialty is family law. I focus on families who encounter legal issues that are too overwhelming for them to handle, and they need some help walking that through. And that would be like adoptions, child custody, divorce, things like that. Absolutely. Or the Department of Children and Families comes knocking on their door and wants to take their kids away. Oof. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. I want to make sure that I wanted to make sure people knew about what you did, because a lot of people tune in after they get off work. They're working the 7 to 3.30 shift, and they're just tuning in. We want to get them in the conversation. Right before the break, I was just grilling Abigail like I was like she was the defendant on a stand in a criminal <laughs> case about how she keeps present in her marriage. You know, everybody's got priorities, and we've been given God-centered priorities. God first, our relationship with God first, and then if we're married, our spouse, then our children, and then our work. How hard is it for you, Abigail, to keep that priority list in order? The, the amazing thing is that with what I do during the day, it actually ends up helping me appreciate my husband more uh, because I see the families who are, have decided to throw in the towel, who have decided to go the route of getting divorced rather than working on their marriage. And sometimes the fact that he didn't empty the dishwasher becomes far less important. <laughs> Oh, if Elliot could just call in right now and support you know, his position, why it didn't get done? What do you do each day? What do you do each day to keep God at the forefront, at the center? How do you start your day to make sure that you never, He never takes a backseat? 
the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, other than um, making sure my kids are fed and all of that, is to connect with God. And um, that's typically with prayer and being in the Word, sometimes with a devotional, but um, typically it's just that time of quiet before everybody else is out of bed. And and your kids, you've got a two-year, almost two and almost four, you said. And when you look yes. at the kids, they, they never get up when you want them to get up. Most of the time when you want to have quiet time in the morning, they wake up early. And most of the time when, you, <laughs> when you're ready for them to get up, they're sleeping in. That's just the way kids do it because they have this sixth sense about them. How do you, when you come home and are present, you said at the beginning of the show that you set aside your smartphone and you try to be present with your kids. Okay, but you're a millennial. Okay, how do you keep the you know, how do you keep the cell phone set aside? I mean, that's like isn't it connected via wires? <laughs> I'm actually at the very end of Gen X. I'm a little okay, older well, than you thought. Okay. Uh, that's okay. Um, I didn't have a cell phone until I was in law school. I, I admit that it has definitely become a part, an extension of my hand at times, and it's a struggle. My husband does sometimes have to remind me to put the work away and uh, you know focus on family time. Okay. All right. Well, that's, it's important, but it's, it's just so hard because I know that you're, it, it's so easy when you're running your own business, you're like, well, if I'm, if I'm not working all the time, I might miss something. And, and so those are tough. Yes. Absolutely. Well, my, my younger son goes to bed about 730. My older son goes to bed about 830. So there usually is some time to check in before I go to bed. All right. Okay. So now let's talk about your practice. I wanted to ask, okay, so you're seeing people about child custody battles. You're seeing people maybe about cool things like adoption. Uh, you may be seeing th- people, uh, uh, like you said, child uh, protection services comes knocking on the door and, and it may be divorce. So you're seeing people in some, some ugly parts of their lives and then adoption being a really cool part of their life. What are, if you could do a class, and I told you I was going to ask this question, so hopefully you've been thinking about it. If you could do a <laughs> class at your church, which, by mm-hmm. the way, give your church a plug. What church do you go to? We go to Lake Baldwin Church, which is here in Baldwin Park. We meet at Glen Ridge Middle School. Cool. So it's like a church startup because it's still meeting in the uh, school? We just celebrated our 11th anniversary yesterday, um, and that was very exciting. So they have deliberately made the choice to prioritize being in the Baldwin Park community rather than focusing time, money, effort, and all of that on building a building. And uh, they've had a great partnership with Orange County Public Schools and Glen Ridge Middle School for the last 11 years. That's fantastic. I love that vision. More and more churches need to do that. I know it's somewhat more difficult uh, because, you know, where do you meet during the week if you want to have a meeting? But, you know, that's what houses are for. That's the cool part about houses. But if they called you in and said, okay, Abigail, we would like you to teach a class. And Mm -hmm. we would like you to teach a class on five or six things that people should never do in their marriage or five or six things that they absolutely should do in order to never come and see you. <laughs> so I, I condensed my list to five. I came up with quite a few more of them. But uh, <laughs> how, I how many things did you come? How many things did you come up with? <laughs> I think it was about fifteen at first, but I, I categorized them. So I've got the maybe the top, the big picture categories okay. is the five that I'm going to talk about today. Um, and the very first thing is that we are all mind, body, spirit, right? There are different aspects of each of us as individuals. And one of the things that I see when people come into my office is they've neglected one of those things. They've stopped going to church. They've stopped growing as a person in terms of stimulating their mind. They've stopped working out or taking care of themselves physically. That would be the number one thing, of course, starting with spiritually, that you got to take care of yourself and think about all aspects of yourself in order to bring your best self to your marriage. 
That's the number one thing. Okay. All right. So when you give counsel to people, they've come in. I mean, do you ever tell people, hey, you know what? Uh, you should be getting in the word more often and, uh, you know, start working out. Typically, no, because that's probably overstepping my role. <laughs> Just checking. But, Just checking. Um, I typically try to ask those questions in a way that gets them to think about things. Um, there's the famous Socratic method that we learn in law school, which is basically you never answer a question, you just ask a question. And so I do a lot of that because people need to come to the realization or to a conclusion on their own. Being told something, especially when they're in the middle of a crisis, I've not found that to be all that effective. Well, and you know who is the best at the Socratic method? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Jesus was the best. He made Socrates yes. look like a rookie. I mean, that's, just, that's the cool part. All right. So <laughs> that's number one. Don't neglect yes. your mind, body, and spirit. Number two. Number two is to avoid the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And let me explain what that is. Um, the Gottman Institute have uh, named four things that are absolute death to a marriage, and they are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Okay. I was trying to write those down. Criticism, <laughs> con contempt. Yes. Uh, what was the third one? Defensiveness. Defensiveness and then stonewalling. Stonewalling, yes. That sounds like a great... You are, I don't know if you heard the commercial for our marriage retreat that Martha and I are going to have a year from now uh, on the uh, on the Caribbean, uh, the Royal Caribbean uh, Brilliance of the Seas. Maybe you should come and teach a class. You and Elliot should come along and you could teach a class <laughs> on these things. Okay. All right. So of those things, criticism, contempt, uh, defensiveness, and uh, stonewalling, which one of those do you see that people are the best at doing that they shouldn't be the best at doing? Uh, probably the, um, criticism. I mean, I, unfortunately, not to be too gender specific, but the main thing that men complain about when they come into my office is nagging. I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> Martha and I do marriage mentoring and we hear that a lot. We're just like, okay, but criticism, but men, this is the stonewalling thing. Men kind of take mm -hmm. the, the degree, they got master's degree or doctorates in stonewalling and women in criticism, but it's, it, it's go. a lot of... It's the frustration. Do you find that? Okay, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm leading you on now. But do you find that communicate? Sorry, don't lead the witness. Sorry, I'm just trying to get this done. <laughs> Does communication help in these areas? It can if you really know how to communicate. And communication is really only seven percent verbal, right? Um, so there's so many other things that go into communicating, whether it's to your spouse or anybody else, that people often forget and don't see. And so later on my list, number four on my list, is even if you don't think you need help, get help. Um, the marriage retreat that you've just talked about is an excellent, excellent thought. Going and seeing a counselor, marriage um, counseling, even just having a, an accountability couple. If people are getting into the place where things aren't connecting, whether whatever it is, it's criticism, it's defensiveness, it's not talking at all, whatever it is, even if you don't think you need help in a relationship, you think you can fix it, go get help. Because having a third person... Listen to each person having a, you know, third and fourth person, meaning another couple, hearing what each person is saying. Sometimes people just are missing each other. Absolutely. It's the whole, it's the whole 
uh, love and respect deal where I'm speaking out of a blue megaphone, but my wife's listening with a pink hearing aid, and she just doesn't hear what I'm saying. And she's speaking out of a pink megaphone, and I'm listening with a blue hearing aid, and I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Hey, we're talking today with Abigail Johnston. She's from Johnston Law, PA, and she's sharing right now. She's a family practice attorney, and I asked her this question. What are five or six things that you see that people should absolutely not do in order to preserve their marriages? And I put her on the spot, but I gave her at least a week's notice uh, on these items. And she's hitting these items, but I want to thank Julie from Holiday for listening to the show and for calling in today to win the book. Julie, thanks for listening. We'll get that book out to you shortly. Okay, so you've covered uh, Don't Neglect Your Mind, Body, and Spirit. Uh, Avoid the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which is Criticism, Contempt, uh, D. Oh, what's defensiveness? The I can't read my own writing. I hate by that. <laughs> defensiveness and um, stonewalling, and then get counseling or get accountability, get help right now. What's number three? Number three is watch your thoughts and what comes out of your mouth, because a thought life can absolutely affect everything. So if you are perhaps maybe not, the criticism isn't coming out of your mouth, but the criticism is the tape that's in your mind whenever your spouse says something or does something, that can almost be as damaging as something that comes out of your mouth. Uh, looking at other people or envying other relationships, um, again, all that thought life, and then watching how you're talking about or to your spouse. Mm. That's always great. I always tell guys if they're complaining to me about their spouse, I said, do you have arguments with her in your head? Well, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> did you know that that's sin? Why is it sin? Is it because you're arguing with an imaginary person? You're not even giving your wife a chance to respond. You're putting words in her mouth. It's a sin. You can't do that. You got to stop doing that. People are like, how'd you know I did that? I'm like, because that's the, well, just what you said. It is super duper destructive. All right. Number five on your list. Number five is learn before you burn your bridges. And my that's coming out of the people get frustrated and people want to either run from the situation or it's, it's the fight or flight thing, right? They want to fight with their spouse or they want to um, leave. And I cannot tell you how many people I sit down with on a yearly basis and talk out of getting a divorce because I'm listing out the things that could potentially happen from a legal perspective, setting aside the damage that they were doing to relationships, their relationship with their spouse, their relationship with their kids, by even walking down the road and thinking about getting a divorce, just understanding the economic implications, the legal implications. You need to learn those things before you make a decision about ending your relationship. Well, I'd like to hear, you know, I mean, it's nice to be able to convince somebody, hey, it's just a stupid decision economically uh, for you to get divorced. But what about marriages where people actually become, have you ever had the opportunity to be involved in a marriage where somebody got repentant and actually repaired it and they both started working on it instead of them, you know, thinking, well, it's just financially, it doesn't make sense to get divorced. Oh, absolutely. And that's where every person who comes into my office, if they have not seen a marriage counselor or have gotten some individual counseling, accountability, et cetera, that's the very first thing I send them to do. And so that's part of the education process is really looking at what are the reasons that they are there. But then because I'm not a therapist, you know, the the other pieces are um, pieces of information that I can provide to somebody. But we also, I've had people reconcile in the middle of the litigation. I've had people reconcile after the litigation is done and get remarried. Um, If you do things in a uh, respectful 
way, all throughout the process, reconciliation is possible. Have you ever seen somebody come in saying they were a Christian and really find Christ because of a conversation you've had with them? I can't say that I've seen it happen right in front of me, but um, I know that the conversations that we've had and the situations that they've gone through have led various clients to seek more answers and to talk with their pastors and that sort of thing. I, I do very much try to focus on the, the legal implications of things when people are in my office, because that's what they're coming to do, and then sure. send them to people who can help answer their questions better. So I've, I've got a list of pastors that I work very closely with. I've got lists of Christian therapists, and I hand them out like candy. Well, if you had, I like that. I like that. But if you had like a time <laughs> clock on your desk and you could hit the time clock and say, okay, I'm off the clock. Let me just tell you something, because I, I yes. don't know, it's just, it's just an idea. Then they know that they're not getting charged to hear the gospel. They can at least get it for free. Okay, so Absolutely. <laughs> accountability, because you're, you're, you're dealing with ugliness all day long. Not all of everything you do is ugliness, but you get in the middle of a lot of intense stuff. How yes. do you, as a Christ-following attorney, hold yourself accountable in all areas of your life? I mean, where do you go for accountability? I would say that the number one person who holds me accountable is my mom. Uh, we talk regularly, and uh, that she she's been amazing. Um, we I, I started not too too long ago a Bible study with um, a bunch of other family law attorneys, and um, they've been amazing and integral in my walk, um, and because they do the same thing all day long, so they are um, much better at spotting issues sometimes than than other people, and then regularly attending our church and being connected with the people there um, who pour into me and pour into everybody else um, in the Bible studies and that sort of thing. So if we were to call Elliot and say, okay, Elliot, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this question, so you can you know, <laughs> just say, no, I take a fifth. But if we were to call Elliot and say, okay, Elliot, I know that Abigail's doing a great job as an attorney. What's one thing she needs to work on in in keeping her work within the four within four walls so that it doesn't interrupt the, the family. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he would say to turn off my phone <laughs> because that's a big thing that, that he has gotten on me about, which is part of the reason why the word my word for 2017 is present. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's for, that's really good. All right, so talk to the super moms that are out there, like you, the moms that are working more than full time. They've, they've got a great marriage. They've got kids at home, but they're feeling the stress. Talk to those women out there. Give them some encouragement. Oh, it is all worth it in the end. Uh, God has put you in the position that you are in. God has given you and handpicked the children that he has given you, and you are the exact right person to be in the situation that you're in, to be the mom that you are, to be the wife that you are, to be the family member that you are. And he will give you the strength and the discernment to do what is the most important. And, and it's the responsibility that you have is such a gift because you've got this ministry. I mean, your ministry in family law is powerful. I mean, you get to be with people at a time where they won't necessarily listen to any of their friends, but they're going to listen to you and they pay you to listen to you. That's what's really cool. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes they do. Uh, sometimes it, it's hard because I want to do more than... Sometimes people's budgets can even afford, and, and we do an amazing amount of pro bono work every year, probably more than my husband would like us to do. But uh, my, my heart is with families and with kids, and uh, we do what's necessary to make sure that people walk through what they need to walk through and have the advice that they need. Who is the perfect client for Abigail Johnson at Johnston 
lawpa.com. The perfect client is somebody who has a legal issue facing their family, and they want to walk through that legal issue with as many of the relationships involved as intact as possible in order to do what is in the best interests of their family. I love that relationships intact. Keep them intact. That's great. Abigail Johnston with Johnston Law PA. Thank you so much for being a gift to iWork for him and spending time with us today and sharing your story and let me ask those tough questions. Thank you. God bless you. And may your practice super impact your part of Orlando. We just really appreciate you, Abigail. It's been my pleasure, Jim. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. Thank you. As we come to the end of another I Work for Him show, you've heard it from Abigail's heart. You see how it's impacting her law practice. I ask you to consider joining the I Work for Him nation. Make that commitment today to start praying for your coworkers and employees and your clients today so that you can start seeing an impact. When you start to pray for people that you have influence over, that have influence over you, you'll start to see your heart and your mind and your soul transformed to be able to see those people the way our Heavenly Father sees them. Go out to iWorkForHim.com. Click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and make that commitment tonight. You will never regret it. You will see your workplace transform before your very eyes. I did it. I've lived it. That's why I'm on the air. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. I figured out my workplace. It's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him.